Hey folks, welcome to another episode of In The Know. Alright, so I didn't know if I knew how to do that because usually Shemit handles that. Um, but uh, great, so uh, really excited to have uh, the, our, our guest here today, uh, Iman Adam, who is the co-host of Dishes and Dimes Pod, uh, does a lot of great work for Yahoo Sports Canada, uh, has, a, has a Pascal Siakam piece dropping later this week, but uh, Iman, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, you know, it's been an up and down season, I think, for a lot of teams in the league. Um, you know, mostly optimism for the Pelicans coming into the season. Uh, it, it seems like everyone within both conferences, maybe the Celtics are a little bit different, but I feel like both conferences are kind of compressed right now. And so yeah. um, maybe more so than you typically expect for, uh, you know, this late in the season, a quarter way through. But um, what's um, let's just start off. What, what are um, how are you feel about the Raptors? What's the season been like to date? Uh, you know, for Pelicans fans who really haven't followed them closely? Um, I mean, similar to the Pelicans in that just, like, these injuries, um, like, can we get uh, just a rotation just out there with everyone sort of healthy? I think the Raptors have had uh, just pretty pretty terrible, quite frankly, injury, and not necessarily COVID uh, luck, but um, unrelated COVID illnesses that have kind of hamstringed this team. Uh, the Raptors really came into it looking to build off of what they did last year, right? So they they haven't brought in any new pieces or not like, you know, the Timberwolves with Rudy Gobert or the Hawks or the Cavs with these new additional pieces. They had their team and they were hoping to build on the success that they had last year. And it really looked like that at the start of the year. They're right around 500 with the rest of the league, <laughs> as you mentioned there. But um it, it's just, I, I say that it was injuries that really sort of derailed things for them. Pascal Siakam going down specifically and especially. Uh, and he's since back, right? He played his first game against the Cavs and things are looking up in Raptors Worlds because they're on a two-game win streak right now um, because they have Pascal Siakam back and he's doing all NBA level things for this team. So, you know, the Raptors, they are what they were last year, a bad half-court offense, good defense. And um, they get out in transition a ton. They like to pick your pockets a ton, like to get those deflections. I think the Pelicans are right up there at the top of the league sort of in getting deflections too and trying to get out there. Uh, so, yeah, so they, they do similar things that way. And that's, that's kind of Raptors basketball. I I, it's interesting. I, I feel like both the Raptors and Pelicans are in a very similar spot as far as continuity is concerned. Pelicans, mm -hmm. all they did was add Dyson Daniels. They, they right. lost Tony Snell and they added Dyson Daniels. That was the offseason essentially. And so yeah. – um, there's a lot of continuity for both sides, and it's great to see that the, the Raptors are finally getting healthy. It should be a really fun matchup. But um, I, I want to focus on Pascal. I, I know you've got uh, work coming out on him specifically, and so I'm sure it's top of mind for you. But, but talk to Pelicans fans about really what you've seen from him and how he's up-leveled his game uh, so far this season when he's been on the floor. Pascal Siakam, uh, I mean, he, like, it's, it's yeah, just getting into the numbers with this piece specifically, what Pascal Siakam does for this team is absolutely everything. We talked about sort of the three-point shooting a second ago, about how the Raptors are not a very good three-point shooting team, and actually, the numbers with him there, when Pascal started, he's only played 10 games, so the sample size with him in the Raptors lineup and everything that I'm talking about is incredibly small. We're talking 10 games in, in an entire season here, but um, they were a top 10 three-point shooting team with him in the lineup and with him out they were 30th <laughs> and it's not like he's a good three-point shooter that is not at all what Pascal Siakam sort of brings he's 
right around league average there. Um, but it's his playmaking. And that's something that's sort of taken another step. And it's what Siakam can do in terms of attracting a defense. It's what the Raptors team looks like in their half-court offense when they have Pascal Siakam there, which quite often is he is getting doubled and his playmaking has improved so much that he is fi- reading those traps and making the right read to whether it be um, OG Nobi or Gary Trent Jr. or someone there who can catch the ball and shoot it. Gary Trent Jr., at least at the start of the year, I haven't checked the numbers in the last week or so, but I can't imagine it's changed, had only ever made shots that were assisted or threes that were assisted, I should say. None off the dribble. And why is that? It's because of the connection that he has with Pascal Siakam. OG Ananobi is a great three-point shooter, but his three-point numbers are terrible this year because a lot of them had to be off the dribble with Pascal Siakam out of the lineup. Yesterday, Pascal Siakam comes back and OG hits a flurry of threes, more threes than he hit, I think, in any other game this season. And that's because he's being found by whether it be Scotty Barnes or Pascal. So it's just unlocking this team's offense in a myriad of ways with his playmaking, with his shot making as well. The Raptors struggle to score in the half court. Similar to B.I., he can pull up and he can find his shot. They're sort of slinky players in that way. Um, And that was something that we saw in the Cavs game where time and time again, you know, a play would break down, shot clock's winding down, and you needed someone who can get a shot off. And really, the Raptors struggle to have that guy. It could be Gary Trent in some moments, but, you know, Fred is too small. That's sort of what separates him from a CJ McCollum type. He is smaller than CJ, so he can't really always rise up and get his shot there. And so that needs to be Pascal. So he's kind of doing everything for this team on the offensive end. And on top of that, he's an elite defender, right? Like I, uh, I was just saying in, in yesterday's game, Donovan Mitchell uh, had his worst scoring night in 121 games. It was his first time in 121 games where he had single digits. And a large part of that was a defense that OG played, but also there was one possession where he called for a screen because he didn't want OG on him and Pascal came. <laughs> like that's the sort of defense that the Raptors want to play. They want you to be in hell. You're not going to be able to call this first screen and call for a switch because the next guy on you is going to be just as good defensively. And that's what Pascal brings to this team. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the Pelicans matchup, but I think the the fact that Ingram's going to be out is pretty pretty tough because in, against good defensive teams, you just got to have guys who can score, get buckets in isolation, right? And Bi's Bi's that guy. Um, and, and so obviously the, the Pelicans have had an okay time scoring as long as Zion's been healthy and. Hopefully getting CJ back will, will, will help with that. But I think it is going to be um, a, a, one of the tougher games for the Pelicans this season as far as getting uh, getting buckets. But I, I, I think the, the three-point shooting aspect that you bring up here is also one of the things I wanted to talk about with you is because the Pelicans and Raptors are kind of similar in that they don't take a ton of threes. The Pelicans have been taking more recently. And I, and I wonder, and based on what, what kind of the way you're describing it, it sounds like, maybe the, the three-point volume and accuracy, both of those things are heavily tied to Pascal's you know, place in the lineup. And so is that something you've seen too, not just the accuracy, but also they're taking more threes with, with Pascal able to kind of set up for the for the shooters? Yeah, I mean, and, and because the Raptors, at least at the start of the year when Pascal was playing, um, as I was digging into the numbers, 98% of the threes that they were taking were catch and shoot looks like they were leading the league in catch and shoot opportunities. They were dead last in pull up shooting. Um, and that's because outside of Fred Van Vliet, you don't really have anyone who can do that. And he will do that a ton and he'll, he'll make a lot of them. Um, but 
in order for this Raptors offense to work, and I think a lot of the numbers are skewed and it kind of makes it seem like Siakam is the only person that does this because Fred and Pascal miss time together. Uh, And they're kind of both the hubs of the offense. They're the ones who get things going. And quite often, they're also two of the most double team players in the entire league per NBA optics in the top 20. Uh, So when they get doubled, quite often they're finding the open guy. That's kind of what the Raptors offense is meant to look like. They're a team with a bunch of 6'9 guys. Everyone is 6'9 except for Fred Van Vliet. And so the idea is everyone is going to have a mismatch that they're able to hunt. So do that. And often Fred and Pascal are going to be doubled. So you're going to find your open man. And that's where the threes come. So the, the recipe for the Raptors being able to score is taking threes, is having Gary, Scotty, or OG take them because they're going to have them available just with how this team is built. Um, and they need both Fred and Pascal in order to be able to do that. And they missed a good, they missed both of them for a good chunk of the season so far. So that's why the numbers aren't, weren't as good uh, or weren't as high at the start of the year, but I think they're going to continue to take them. I think they're going to be league average, but uh, they're going to come with catch and shoot opportunities. They're not going to be pull up. So the, the numbers are going to be much better than they appear. Yeah. I, I think um, that's Really interesting in that, uh, you know, how the, pl- the, the players kind of set up for each other. And yeah. and um, I think more specifically for the, for the Pelicans, I, I, they've had some similar concerns with injuries. I think they've been fortunate for the most part in that their injuries have been staggered. Um, and so you've had a couple games where you missed a few, a few guys that had a, on a totally unexpected one against the Mavericks when like everyone was out and they beat, right. you know, they, they beat Luca at the Mavs. But otherwise they've had... Brandon out, they have a Zion out, and that's in CJ. And the, the the stress point for the New Orleans is can they can they get enough games with all these guys to you know to get ready for the playoffs? Because for the first time in a few years, Pelicans feel like they're they are a playoff team, not just a fringe playoff team. And so getting these guys reps is going to be important. Um, but it, kind of on, on the point of the other the other players, essentially, I know um, the the Raptors have been both both forced to, and I think uh, you know chose to play with rotations a little bit as far as who's starting what the, what the uh, points of connectivity are across uh, you know, all, all the key rotation players. But, you know, what, what have you seen, what are some of the changes that they've made and, and um, early returns? Are you, are you a fan or, or, you know, what, what, what do you think they'll, they'll look like for the new Orleans game? Yeah. So Nick nurse is the most confusing man um, in the NBA. He's a coach that makes you scratch your head quite a bit. And then, you know, the playoffs come around and you're like, Oh, that's why you made me watch Marcus Ole and Sergi Baca play so many minutes together. You were gearing up for Joel Embiid. I get it now. Um, but uh, so, so it's a lot of sort of mad scientisty things that just make you confused because he's fine with, you know, taking a game in November and kind of punting it if it means that these guys are geared up for the playoffs. And so in the last game, he had Scotty and Gary Trent Jr. both come off the bench. The first time in Scotty Barnes's career where he's coming off the bench. Uh, and Gary Trent Jr., probably his first time as a Raptor coming off the bench at the very least. Uh, and it was it was odd to have both of them there. They were both confused by it as well, it seemed, uh, by their post-game comments. But that's just something that Nick Nurse does. And I think a little bit of it was to, you know, Scotty also injured in and out of the lineup, but also has not been playing. Um, 
at least, you know, Nick Nurse says that you need to play defensively. One of the things, one of my favorite Nick Nurse, Nurse stories was the Raptors got Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Stanley Johnson a couple of years back, and they could not crack the rotation. And everyone is like, why can't they crack the rotation? He was like, they're not playing championship-level defense. And I'm like, they're only in the league for their defense. If you don't think they can't defend right now, what are they doing here? Um, Pelicans fans know Stanley Johnson well, so that's yeah, (laughs) pretty sure that's about all that he would be in there for. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like if he can't crack the rotation for his defense, what is he doing here? Eventually they did crack the rotation, but that's kind of Nick Nurse's um, whole bit. And he's not afraid to call guys out, which is what he did with Gary Trent Jr. in his lack of, you know, defensive intensity. Um, so I think it was sort of meant to be a wake-up call. I would imagine that the Raptors are going to go back to their normal, regular starting lineup, which is Scotty and Gary both in there. Um, but um, Nick Nurse might pull anybody off the bench. Who knows with him? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think we're going to get a regular rotation. Guys are coming back. The only two people right now out of the Raptors lineup, um, Otto Porter, which we have not unfortunately gotten to see a lot of him, um, and uh, Precious Achua. But outside of that, the Raptors look to be healthy. Yeah, and on the um, on the Pelican side, as of as of right now, like so we, we've got CJ questionable um, coming. He's out of COVID protocol, so you know, fingers crossed, he feels healthy enough to play uh, in the, in this one. Najee's also questionable with an illness. Bi is out. I don't, I don't know about Larry Nance. I have, I have to, I have to mm. check on that. But, um, but he's, uh, he's, he's an important piece of this team, and, and, and kind of leads to the last thing I want to talk to you about before we get into the actual in-game matchups, um, which is, uh, you know, the, the Pelicans have uh, probably more than expected played small uh, this year. Um, yeah. So they, they've gone, you know, they relied on Jonas a lot last year, partially because Zion was out. But uh, the Pelicans have, have kind of, kind of. Uh, aligned towards a small lineup uh, more frequently than I think was maybe expected, especially because without Jonas, the Pelicans don't have a ton of bigs who do a great job defensive rebounding or even, uh, and so that was going to be a clear weakness. Zion is not the best defensive rebounder. Um, on the Raptors side, um, one thing that I noticed is, uh, you know, so far is the Raptors with Pascal playing the five were pretty good last year. And this year so far, the returns have been much different. What have, what have you seen? Is that just, you know, certain guys were injured while he was playing the five or, or are things different or it's just a small sample size? You know, what do you make of that? I think that's a mix of, of a few different things. One is, you know, any Raptor fan will tell you they really desperately want a rim protector if they can get, you know, a Yakka Pirtle that's like the Raptor's dream right now. Um, but We have one uh, lightly so- used Jackson Hayes if that's a team. <laughs> Um, I, I think, I think we might, we might pass on that. Um, no disrespect, um, but, um, I think, I think with the Raptors, it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of everything there. It is a lineup that definitely has its holes. It's one that also needs to have everything firing at all cylinders in order for, um, your five to be Pascal, OG, Scotty, who there are no positions on the Raptors. Team. No one, uh, Fred is your point guard. Maybe your shooting guard. Sometimes everybody else. Who knows? Um, but in order for that to work, I think your defense really needs to be running on a string. And like you need to have everyone um, on the same page and everyone needs to be healthy. And if there are guys in and out of the rotation, guys in and out of the lineup, that also like really does bleed points. Um, and that really does hurt this team. And I think we've seen that already. Um, in order for it to work, uh, the Raptors give up a lot of corner threes, right? Like that's kind of the, the recipes. You're taking away the rim and and you're probably going to be bleeding some things out in the corner. And the, 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 
the philosophy behind it is the Raptors have enough length that they can get back because not only do they give up the most amount of corner threes in the league, at least last season, they also blocked the most amount of corner threes in the league, which just shows the high variance in the type of defense that they play. Um, and so I think whenever it, whenever a defense is as high variance as that, you're going to get a lot of fluctuations, especially early on in the season, especially with guys in and out of the lineup. Last season, the Raptors worked terrible defensively at this point of the year, which didn't make sense considering they're supposed to be a good defensive team. But from midway of January onwards, they were the third best defense in the league. So I think it takes a little bit of time and it takes people getting healthy and coming back in. Um, They looked phenomenal defensively last night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They, everyone being healthy and everyone being back clearly does that. So um, they, they look right now to be playing on a, on a string. Everyone seems to be really connected and you know what Gary and, and Scotty are kind of the, the two holes defensively as of right now on the team. And Nick nurse has shown he will bench them. <laughs> yeah. And I, so it's a, it's a great point to call out specifically corner threes. Cause that's one of the things I was, I was looking more, more broadly and, and kind of saw that, uh, the Raptors do give up a lot of three-point attempts, but yeah. they're pretty good at, at at least figuring out the right players who should be who they want to have shooting them. And so I think that'll be a, a very interesting dynamic for the Pelicans, who are you know as of late ramping up their three-point frequency, trying to get looks for guys like Trey Murphy um, and, and and Devontae Graham. And so um, I, I think that's you know I I, I I I see so many comparisons between these two teams because the Pelicans also you, you mentioned they're a bunch of six, the Raptors are a bunch of six-nine players. The Pelicans are the same way. They're the, my second. This is what my other favorite team to watch because I, I love I love the build of this team and you know Bi is is fantastic. Yeah, and, and specifically, I mean, the, probably the one of the biggest points of frustration for Pelicans fans this year are when they when they throw out two guards that are small. They have, yeah. you know because they don't have to. They've got so many long rangey players. But to Devontae Graham's credit, and he's he's kind of the whipping boy when it comes to this. He's had a good year this year. The, the problem is, like, it's just hard to play him. It, see, he's just a better version of him, right? He does a lot of the same things, but just better it's better than Devontae. And so it's hard to find the right lineups. But, you know, recently with CJ out, he's filled a, a valuable, uh, you know, void for this team. And so I think this this kind of uh, leads well into talking about the, um, you know, the matchup with the Pelicans. Um, let's just st- start broadly. Any, what what are you what are you looking at most? Like, what what what's most exciting to you about this matchup between these two kind of similar teams? Honestly, like I, I was, I was gearing up looking at it, and I was kind of bummed to see that like some of the pieces that I would really specifically be like wanting to see what they would look like, cough Brandon Ingram cough, um, is not going to be playing. I think he's dropped like forty on the Raptors before. Pascal has <laughs> dropped forty on the Pelicans before. Like it just always seems like a fun matchup there. Um, but I, I think I think it's Zion's size uh, specifically. I think that that's something that. I'm interested to see how he specifically gives the Raptors trouble and gives the Raptors problem. I'm interested to see if his matchup is OG Ananobi, like what the Raptors do there in terms of trying to contain him. So he's going to be who I'm looking at um, as like a, a key focal point for what the Raptors try to do, which like, obviously, yeah, duh, the Raptors are going to care about what Zion Williamson is doing for the Pelicans. It's like the most obvious answer, but that's kind of the matchup. And I think we're going to see OG start on him. Um, and, you know, the Raptors have been trapping guys quite often. And so like, what does that playmaking look like? How do they sort of move it? And and what, what sort of burns them there? Uh, yeah. So that's, and I, I, don't know what the Pelicans will do with their starting lineup with the eye out. What they have been doing is starting Trey Murphy. 
Right. Um, and so I, that kind of makes me curious to see what if, if OG starts off guarding guarding Zion, you know, what are you doing with Jonas? And what, I imagine is is Thad Young or Thad Young is he still starting at the five for the Raptors? So I, I think I think that depends on it. I think Scotty will be starting. I, I feel like it was supposed to be you know Scotty's coming back from a major injury, so we're bringing him off the bench for the first game. I would mm-hmm. have to imagine that Scotty's back in the starting lineup, which in my opinion, means probably Gary is as well, and Thaddeus Young is coming off the bench. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they do specifically with Jonas because it, <laughs> I, I don't really know what's going to happen for the Pelicans. Revenge game. The, the, last, well, the last game against the, the Thunder, you looked at who the Thunder is starting, and you said, this is a Jonas game. He's going to feast, and, and he played 20 minutes. And yeah. um, there was a lot of you know, weird stuff about his rotations. You know, uh, Billy Hernan Gomez played 17 minutes when it just kind of felt like they could have staggered if they didn't want to, you know, close with Jonas, right. they could have staggered him and played him off the bench, played him more with bench units. And so I have no idea what's going to happen with Jonas minutes. He could go, he could go for twenty and fifteen, or he could play twenty-two minutes and, you know, go. To I want, I want a revenge Jonas Valanciunas game. I'd be so down for that. And it, like honestly, like Raptors have, you know, started Christian Coloco in games where they needed a center um, to go up against bigger guys. I just see that Jonas. Just I, I I don't see that as a matchup for Christian Coloco. I would hope that we don't uh, do that to him in <laughs> in his rookie season because I just feel like that would be a particular matchup that Jonas would absolutely feast on. Well, well, he's zero for one in revenge game so far because uh, Stephen Adam kind of cooked mm, him yeah, <laughs> against that's the true. Grizz- Grizzlies uh, a few days ago. So maybe this that is the is one true. for him. Um, well, so I, I think there are a couple other interesting or intriguing matchups for for, for me, and I, mm-hmm. I wonder what the Pelicans are going to do with with Fred because mm-hmm. intuitively the two smaller guards, the two smaller players on the floor for either team are CJ and Fred. But CJ is if, if they put CJ on Fred, that might not go so well for New Orleans. And, but so can you put CJ on one of the Raptors' bigger wings and and, and live with that? And I, I think that's what I would I would expect and. Maybe you see uh, Herb Jones on Van Vliet. That's I think that's kind of the play I, yeah. I would make to start off. But, yeah, that's what I would do as well. But um, I'm I, I'm I'm curious, and so um, you know, what's you know, what, what's what's your expectation for 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 the backcourt? I Raptors? think that I think that's a I think that's a really good point, and I, it does depend on who the Raptors start. Like it just Nick Nurse throwing a. a wrench into everybody's plans by starting Juancho Hernan Gomez randomly um in yesterday's game is like okay well if he's there that's who you hide CJ on right um but uh I I don't think that that's the case and I mean the Raptors are kind of built in a way where they're forcing other teams to make that hard choice like that is the decision that you want people to make which is why Fred Van Vliet was an all-star last year right because he will burn your smaller guys that are trying to guard him and he also you know why the Raptors were able to get away with playing undersized, two undersized guards and win a championship and like, you know, do everything else and be this great team is because Fred and, and Kyle Lowry are both really good defensively and can both guard up, um, which I think is sort of the, the difference there with like, you know, a guy like CJ McCollum. Um, but uh, I would, I would imagine that CJ probably is on, is he on Gary? Gary hasn't been shooting the ball very well. Gary hasn't been, that's okay. Um, <laughs> New Orleans, it, it's New Orleans is a, is a slump buster. Trust me. <laughs> and also, like Pascal coming back, that that has helped him a lot of his a lot of his shots. Like I said, all of them at the start of the year, at the very least, were um, were not were assisted baskets, and all pff, the vast majority of them were <laughs> were. Uh, 
Pascal Siakam assists. So I think that that's that's a connection that has sort of worked well there. But I would imagine, like, do you hide him on a Gary Trent Jr.? I would think that that's the case. I feel like Scotty's due for a big game and you can't sort of, you know, teams have tried to do that and not just he will punish you. So I, I feel like it's got to be maybe Gary if that's the case. And then you put your Herb Jones on by Van Vliet because, um, yeah, Fred Fred will take it upon him to embarrass you if you put someone he feels like he's being disrespected by. <laughs> now I want Jose Alvarado to start, man. I, I, well, I think I think that's like that's kind of like a fun sort of yeah. like mirror between those two guys in terms yeah. of like yeah, they're small. Like we're talking about two t- teams that are big and long and can get a lot of deflections, and yet two guys that kind of you know. Fred is second on the Raptors in deflections, and I think might have been second in the league um, before his injury in deflections. It's very similar to like kind of a Jose Alvarado. You're like, yeah, but you're kind of small. You don't really fit in with the rest of the team. And it's like, no, he will pick your pockets. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, I fully expect Jose to get some Fred minutes uh, and, yeah. and to take, take full advantage of that, of that matchup and just, you know, play, play the same they, type of high intensity basketball. They better not like the Raptors love to have their bigger guys handle the ball. And like, he terrifies me because I don't trust <laughs> most of their handles. <laughs> Like, I don't want to see Delano Banton try to run anything with bench lineups if Jose Alvarado's anywhere around. Yeah. I mean, the other bench guy I'm thinking about, and so this is, again, thinking that Trey Murphy's going to be the starting uh, a starting mm-hmm. big with, with Ingram out is Dyson Daniels has been playing more for the Pelicans recently, and I think his, um, his length, his defensive ability, he's been everything the Pelicans could have hoped for in the defensive end of the floor so far, and he's, I think he's almost 50% from three on, like, 17 or 18 attempts this year, and so that's that's already better than I think the team expected. Um, shout out Fred Vincent once again somehow. Um, but I, I do. I, I'm really excited. To hope I'm hoping that Dyson gets minutes in this game too, and, and can really be a disruptor for some of those long um, play playmakers and, and shooters for, for for Toronto. I think that's going to be another matchup to watch for New Orleans side. Right, and I think um, something similar would be a crispy shape for the Toronto Raptors. Um, also has just been this high energy guy for the Raptors. Great defensively in terms of like just talking about the the most blocked shots from the corner. That's going to be a crispy Shea specialty. Like he will get out there. He will, you know, he's kind of the rim protector at moments uh, when he is off the bench, but he is incredibly long and will rotate out there and block anyone's shots on the perimeter there as well. I, I think that this, these are like two really fun teams. I think the Raptors, like I've been surprised by the Pelicans defensively. Uh, they're like, I, like I think their defensive rating when I last looked was in the top 10 and I was like, came into the league, I came into the league, came into the season thinking that like, Oh, this is going to be an incredible offense, but how are they going to defend guys? Let me see how that works. And so it has been fun sort of watching that. And for the Raptors, it's like, oh, this is going to be an incredibly defensive team, an incredibly great defensive team, but like how well can they score? Um, and so like in terms of like the similarities between them, I think the how people maybe came into the season sort of viewing these two teams would have been through an opposite lens, uh, just, you know, not as offensively talented on the Raptors end and way more offensively talented on the uh, Pelicans end, but not as defensively talented. And yet they're kind of both sort of, top hovering around the top 10 in both of those categories. And so it should be a fun matchup there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was one thing that kind of stuck out to me is the Raptors are around league average offense, but that they've done it with only 10 games of of Siakam. And so that's, Oh, and the numbers, the numbers vary. If you, if you filter that out for with Siakam, it's like, you know, top six without, oof, 
not great. <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, there's probably a little bit of smoke and mirrors there with the Pelicans too, and three point variance early in the season, right? I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that they've been like a top eight defense this year, or but they have. But I think you know, one Willie Green is getting these guys to play hard every single night, and then secondly, it is it's it's basically you know having the Pelicans you know, use their length to actually be disruptors, and and you know Ingram. Ingram, when he came to the Pelicans, was an awful defender. And now he's, yeah. I mean, he, he, I don't, I don't know. He's not great, but he's like the Pelicans can be a good defensive team with it out there, which you could not say before. And I think even Zion's gotten a little bit too much heat for his defense uh, so far this year. I think, I think it's been fine. Um, and so I think it really just, you know, comes down to, can you, you know, can you limit three point opportunities, uh, you know, in, in high volume and high, high accuracy, because that's how they got, that's how they lost the Pacers. Pacers have been one of the surprise teams in the league because they can just bomb from three and Pelicans were on the short end of that one. So that's Same. really been how, how the, the defense is. Yeah. Same story over here. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's wrap up here with, with predictions. What are you, what are you expecting, um, you know, uh, for as far as, you know, close game blowout, um, you know, who's coming out on top here? Uh, well, I predicted a loss against the Mavs and the Cavs, and they won both of those games. So let me continue with my <laughs> prediction of a loss here to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I think it'll be a, a competitive game. I think it'll be pretty close. Um, I can't imagine one team sort of blowing the other one out here. I think they're sort of closely evenly matched, even if there are some missing pieces on on the Pelican side. So let's, let's call it a, a five-ish point game. I, I do think it's – I would give the edge to the Pelicans if B.I. was healthy. I think it's close – it's about a coin flip to me that the Pelicans are the home team. Um, you know, yeah. Fortunately, both teams are coming in rested, so it's not a back-to-back for anyone. But um, I, I think um, – yeah, I, I expect a good one. Um, I, I'm hoping hoping the Pelicans can win. They've got a – the Pelicans have a couple more. They've got the Spurs on Friday, and so the, mm-hmm. I think their, their schedule ramps up a little bit fairly quickly. And so this is one they, you know, a, a toss-up game is one they, they kind of would, would obviously love to have. Um, it gives them a little bit of air cover if they, you know, dr- uh, don't, don't do so, to so hot in the next couple of weeks. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it should be a really fun one. Um, hopefully uh, in the rematch, we get to see these two teams fully healthy uh, in Toronto. I'm not sure when that game is, but um, it should be, should be a good one. That, that should be. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Iman, would you mind just you know telling everyone where they can find, find all your great work? Uh, yeah, you can find a lot of my work will be on Yahoo Sports Canada. I've got some stuff with basketball news there as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Iman underscore Adam. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, um, before we wrap up, um, just a shout out to our sponsor, DraftKings. Uh, so the NBA season's heating up. It means there's no better time to bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Download the app now, sign up with code BOOT, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code BOOT, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Iman, thank you again for joining us um, on short notice. I, I, you know, I reached out to you a few hours ago, so we really do appreciate it. Um, looking forward to what, following both these teams very close to the season. I, I personally live in, in Michigan now, so I'm uh, I, I'm kind of taking uh, in some of these Midwestern, even even uh, Toronto teams. Uh, it's uh, you know it, it's been fun, and um, I'm looking forward to. to You're to, geographically to closer to us than you are yeah. New Orleans. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 
Um, well, thanks again, and thank you for, for watching, everyone.